All right. Hello. Good afternoon. Welcome everyone to the ninth episode of the Well Project, A Girl Like Me, live. It's a new interactive live streaming series, advancing health and wellness discussions and education among li women living with and vulnerable to HIV. Uh, my name is Olivia Ford and I am stepping into the extremely big shoes of the brilliant and amazing CRSCC Coven, who is our normal host and the person who birthed the series and has made it what it is for the past eight and now nine episodes because she this morning birthed an actual baby. So we're all just here loving on her and congratulating her. And um, again, I am just a placeholder for the br brilliant and magnificent CC. Um, so every two weeks we sit down with different co-hosts and we talk about key topics to our communities. Today I am extremely excited to get to talk to Kimberly Kennedy and Ariah Lester. Um, two folks that I just love to talk to in general, and um, I know that we're just going to have an amazing conversation here as we're celebrating Sexual Health Month. Let's talk about sex. So thank y'all so much for being here. I'm just going to ask you um, in alphabetical order by first name to just introduce yourselves a little bit and um, talk about your connection with this field, with sexual health, and um, let's just jump right in. Well, first off, Drew it out this whole morning. The TLC song, Let's Talk About Sex, Baby, has been going over and over through my head. But I am Araya Lester. I um, am a former cab member at The Well Project. I am a, a girl like me blogger. And um, I am a special advisor to The Well Project and have also on the side, I am the deputy director of the Transgender Strategy Center, who is a capacity building provider, a funder, and um, we also provide leadership development and technical assistance. And a slew of other hats that I wear, but I'm really excited to really get into this conversation today with you, um, Kim, especially. So I guess I'll pass it over to you. Kim, you ready to introduce yourself? Yeah, it was breaking up, so it was. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh no. We. Yeah. It sounds okay to me, but are you on headphones or? Yeah, let me. Let's see. I know. We'll just. We'll give we'll it give time. And these technical issues are always happening, <laughs> and we're in 2021. You would think technology would just get on with. Our minds. <laughs> it's not, but oh, and be on top of everything all the time. You okay? Is it still breaking up? No. Okay. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Oh, go ahead, intro yourself. Um, so I am okay. I am Kimberly Kennedy. Um I who okay, so I am a part of the CAG with uh, on the Wells Project. I'm also um a spokesmodel on the HIV Stops With Me campaign um, for New York State. Um, I previously was the reproductive health well, reproductive health manager at Red Hook Initiative, um, where I oversaw everything sexual health, reproductive health, mental health. I was doing counseling around that. So I've been in the sexual health field since I was 14. Um, I am now 34. <laughs> so, so it's been a while. Um, I am sorry if y'all see me going like, I'm just trying to get the mirror image because I feel like I'm out of frame sometimes. So bear with me as I get the middle correct. But yeah, I've been doing HIV work, sexual health, basically more than half of my life. So yeah. And living HIV positive for 34 years, almost 35. Ugh, thank you so much for being here. So now let me, I, you know, as we, we do with these episodes, we reach out to the community and just talk, you know, just check in with folks, cab members about what topics are most important to them. Um, and I'm wondering if you could each sort of speak to, um, in your work, in your lives, in your just sort of moving through community, how do you sort of talk to and remind women 
um, that sex is healthy and normal. Like, let's just jump in right there. And whoever wants to start can just start. And they can just bounce off each other. Well, sex being healthy and normal is, is one, a journey that I think that I've had as a woman here in America specifically. And um, mm -hmm. I think it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be as long of a journey as, as it takes. Um, one, being a woman and two, being black as well. Um, you know, th those two intersections here in America have calls to where my, my sexual kind of preferences and my sexual identities were aligning with misogynistic kind of views and how the society viewed me as a black woman and as a, tra a woman of trans experience as well. And so it took me many years and even up to now going into my fourth year of celibacy, you know, mm -hmm. in order to really introspectively kind of break down myself and how I viewed myself, not just in the internal thoughts and the, in the outward projection of me, but more specifically in how I internalized things and it was produced through sex, you know, mm -hmm. and through the, in the ways I had sex and the ways I performed when I had sex and what type of partners I was looking for aligned with things that were were not aligned with who I felt that I was. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Kim? So for me, it's it's been a journey as well. I think for me, it's also like, I was born HIV positive. So mm -hmm. for a really long time, I thought I didn't, and this is, when I say a long time, it's, I'm 34. So it wasn't years, but it's not years, years. When everybody's in their prime having sex at like teenage years, I was terrified. Even though I've only had one partner, that's my husband. And we've been together since we were, basically, it feels like infants, since we were kids. Um, I didn't want to have sex. I was scared because of all the things that I heard of HIV. And even though I had it, it's still, for me, it was that internalized stigma that I had. And he accepted me for everything, for who I was, what I have. And I'm still, not me now, but back then was coming to terms with that I am worthy, that it's okay. So it was that me coming over that internalized stigma of just being HIV positive and then having to realize that it wasn't just him accepting me, it was me having to accept myself and realizing what that meant of me being a Black woman, me being somebody who was born HIV positive, me taking away everything that everybody else ever said about me, about being a plus size girl, and me being insecure about my body, and me being insecure about every everything, the images you see on TV and everything that you've heard. So for me, it was it's also a journey of me saying, forget everybody else and what they say and what they think, I have to be comfortable with myself. And if my man likes it, then it's like, okay, now I need to learn how to like it. I need to understand what makes me want to go, what makes me tick, what do I like? And it's not even about my partner, it's about about me. So that journey has came every year, every day. It's a step going higher and higher of like, ooh, let me try this. Ooh, let me do this. Because it's, it's all a journey of just like sexual exploration right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I, I became HIV positive in 2012 because of sexual assault. So my my, my, my um, diagnosis has been intrinsically linked with sex, whereas, you know, in your case, it's, it's different. And so it, it kind of, I, I, but, but, but the things that, that I hear that's the same is that you know how that plus after HIV is almost like, oh, that's a plus, an added layer of stigma on top of all these other stigmas that we have as Black women, you know? And so we've all, the, the body image um, uh, type of issues that we have and and the skin color issues that we have and, mm -hmm. and just all of these other things. And then it's like, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and I'm HIV. And so I think that that really affects of how we see ourselves, you know, with sex, you know, in, in the ways that we 
have it or don't have it or or what type of access we feel like we have with it or the the stigmas of of like the guilt that that's associated with it as well yeah maria is there hi maria i know the gang's all here folks are coming through um yeah, I'm so glad that y'all are just already starting to share just really generously about your about those journeys, you know, that are ongoing, but to um, just recognizing just who you are as, as, as people, as Black women, as sexual beings across a spectrum of sexuality. Um, what are some, and, you know, feel free to just both talk about this, because what also came up is a, a, some, some pieces around shame what tools do you use to sort of ensure or do you advise other folks, other women to ensure that they don't accept shame or sort of go into that space of shame around so, sex and sexuality? Yeah. Um. So for me, okay, so therapy. Therapy. I am, I love a good therapist. Like, and I say a good therapist because, um, Finding a therapist is a challenge and one that you feel comfortable with, but therapy has helped me tremendously. And I had to like build myself up. Like even before therapy, it was like, I don't need somebody to, okay, so let me back up. For me, therapy was a chore when I was younger because it was a young person um, getting diagnosed at birth and then losing your parents. So for me, I went through severe depression with, a therapist wasn't even something that I wanted to do until I realized I needed to break down all those layers for myself. And I had to talk to somebody because my box broke open. I was stuffing stuff in that box and it broke to the point where it was to no capacity. And then I had to, before I even got to therapy, I had to write things out that I loved about myself. And it sounds cheesy and it sounds crazy, but I started writing letters to me. <laughs> Olivia's like, no. I started writing letters to myself of, what I like about myself. Then I started doing affirmations and giving myself pep talks. So I listened to what gets me hype in the morning and what gets me going. And that actually builds me up. I had to find what makes me happy and what makes me tick and what keeps me going. So it was that it was taking off my clothes and looking in a mirror and actually looking in the mirror, not looking away from anything and then actually touching myself. Like I said before, like somebody can't tell me what I like. I gotta figure out what I like for myself. So it's me really like, oh, look at, okay, come on nipples. Okay, breasts, you happy this morning. Okay, oh, look at the big fat roll going away. All right, so like I had to hype myself up. And even if it wasn't going away, it was like, you know what? We got another shirt that's going to make me look good today. Maybe this isn't the shirt. Like, I was going through a whole wardrobe malfunction and said, you know what? Embrace the titties. The titties is going to be out today. And they're happy. And I got to let them be happy because not every day you get happy titties. Sometimes you just got sad titties. So it's really embracing what you have and feeling comfortable with it. But I really had to take a hard look in the mirror. And every day I still do it. And I just sit there for five, 10 minutes, sometimes it's longer, and just look at myself like, this is who you are. This is what God gave you. This is what is going to happen. And this is what it is. And I have to just embrace it for myself. And it took, not every day is a good day, but some days is better than most. And I just dress it up to what I want it to be and not care about what anybody else has to think about what I look like what I need, what they think that I need. And it's more so of just saying no and yes to the things that I truly want and sticking to it and creating those boundaries for myself. Yes, I hear it with those songs. You know, you, you gotta, <laughs> I, I, it's that internal versus external for me. You know, um, for me, sh shame, it's, it's realizing that shame is taught and mirrored. You know, it never really comes from the inner you. You know, mm. it's not the inner you that is that that is that is reflecting any shame. That reflection is from 
some something you was taught either through traditions or culture or or do some parental or, or authoritative figure, you know, that mm. has taught you to be shamed of this or shamed of that, or mirroring, mirroring what they are ashamed of that is the cycle of what they was taught. And, you know, mm. and, and when I broke down of what shame really is, you then look at it in a different way where shame is societal is structural and it's not really me and it's not internal and so for me to have my happiness i need to set me you know as is you know um you get the package and it's like there's no returns there's no exchanges you know but you but you're able to make your own modifications because mm -hmm. you see that the inward beauty and you see the potential and so that's where it spits all at and so shame with hiv you know is something that society has built up and, and you know just like um there's less shame with other things that you can kind of align right with hiv you know but why is that one less shameful is because shame is something that doesn't belong to us you know and it doesn't mm. belong to us as women and it doesn't belong to us as black people or brown people it doesn't belong to us as trans people and so um, yeah, it's really breaking down when I feel shame of, of putting that blame of the shame on something else besides me that gives me more support in, in, in supporting myself. Sure do. We don't got no sexual education. Non-existent. <laughs> Non-existent. I'm sorry. I just went off on the whole time. Yeah. Education where yeah. my son... My son's 11, and he's been knowing the proper terms of your body parts since he was able to talk. And it's because we're not taught, and it's societal, it's cultural, we're taught different body parts and different names. So it's like, oh, these are my boobies, or this is your, your pocketbook. And it's like, when somebody told me I keep my pocketbook safe and I was like well where's your pocketbook at and they was like and I'm looking like I don't see one and they're like no my pocketbook you know I was like your vagina and they're like and I'm like yeah you have to learn <laughs> so many years I've been pushing the breath yeah it's like saying the words and like I'm teaching my son that now so that way God forbid some if something did happen he can identify this happened to me here or if he would go to the doctor it's this my testicles hurt or this hurts because even something that we're not taught just like you were saying right like we're not taught how to embrace things it's it's the shame and the stigma that is put upon us basically everybody else's insecurities and everybody else's problems so when it comes to sexual health in school you don't you have adults who don't even want to do who can't not, not some of them not that they don't want to they can't because they don't have the education to even think about, oh, this is something that needs to be put because sex is such a dirty word versus the part that we're, most of us are having sex or some type of, some form of sex. And that goes into a whole different topic of what does sex look like for you? Because sex for me is all three of the different types of sexes that you can have, where some people was like, vaginal was just sex as long as it's not going inside of the vagina that doesn't count yeah. that's a whole nother i'm sorry i'm about to go on a whole tangent no no that's right that's right because when you think look about sex being the physical connection of two people that are making these specific hormones and endorphins kind mm -hmm. of rush your body and there's a whole lot of things that that fall under that that can make that same hormone rush you know from that physical connection with another person besides vaginal and oral and, and and whatnot and but what it's all about is just two bodies you know and so mm. all that shame where does the shame come from the shame is that is that taught and learn and learn stuff you know and so um yeah yeah like sex is something that should be embraced and, and not have any and, and and I really like that knowledge taught taught to, to children because I have got children, and when what I say all the time is like teach them what 
the predators would use, what are the language of their body, the body of the different body parts, you know, teach them all of that, every term. Okay, someone may call it this, 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 and that. So mm -hmm. you know that, you know, if someone call, oh, I want to come and touch a lollipop, you know, they ain't going to be tricked. <laughs> you know, they know yeah. exactly, no, that's a no-no zone, you know. And so, uh, uh, yeah, we don't have that, that, that. And, and when it comes to the victim blaming thing, though, too, because I want to tie that up and, and not just victim blaming in the worst case scenario, like what I experienced, experience, but just like being catcalled. And, and for mm. a girl, a girl to be taught, it was because of how she dressed instead mm. of, and, and so trying to push that shame on her instead of that shame being of men have feeling like they have the freedom to to publicly comment on our bodies you know no matter mm -hmm. what type of dress that we have and so yeah um that that whole sex is a, is an overarching topic even beyond just between two people i think <laughs> even when it's just being by yourself and masturbation like for mm -hmm. me most people don't consider that any form of sex but you're you're touching yourself and you're enjoying what you do to yourself and that is taboo of just even talking about it i think anybody who knows me i'd be like in almost every icebreaker i have it's like what makes you happy and i'm like masturbation if i masturbate today i would not be here all happy so y'all should be happy that i masturbated today i would be very happy because it was masturbation and coffee that made me smile <laughs> be very happy but that's something that we don't normalize and i think that the more we have these conversations especially in our community you know it makes it even less taboo it makes it even less stigmatizing where i'm i can be outside and i'm having a conversation and i really don't care what you have to think about me because at least i know that i'm happy and i know that i'm being satisfied and it makes me question about you and what's going on with you and what's 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 making you happy and it's mm -hmm. not all about sex but it's also about pleasure and it's also about intimacy and most people don't have the the pleasure of having and experiencing that which is another conversation on top of sex because there's layers to it yeah only with women do we have to where it, it takes us a long time before mm -hmm. we achieve that first real orgasm whereas the men you know mm -hmm. they early on and every sex, day yeah. and every week you know yeah. type of type of thing but i appreciate that masturbation because there's no there's no way in hell i could be celibate and not masturbate you know but and and, and i and i appreciate masturbation because it's giving me the space to really reflect on how sex affects me in my life because otherwise i would i would still be out there fucking whoever tom dick and harry and not mm -hmm. having the space and time for to cleanse my spirit to really mm -hmm. see who i am you know without that but yes yes for the cleansing of the spirit <laughs> <laughs> Because it be cleansing spirits, I'm telling you. We need, it. We, we need it, especially black women, like baby. You want me to multitask, do this, cook, clean, go to work, be a boss, and then still be sexually frustrated or rely my pleasure on you? No, or at least I would. I would hope to like not put. I, I don't even know if my husband's watching. It's probably not. But like, <laughs> like I'm at work. No, but. <laughs> He's somebody who we've had to learn about each other's body as we got older, you know, and this is 18 years in a relationship. So things have changed, things have spread, things have tweaked, darkened, lightened, got to different places where it was not been. My tattoo has shifted three times already and it's it, body parts just decided to go where they needed to go in the mid thirties. <laughs> um, but he is somebody who knows, like, okay, I know that you receive pleasure this way, and I might not be able to do it this way for you, but or you want a sex toy, so he'll he'll buy me sex toys, and we'll incorporate that in our sex lives, and it'll be something that is just not for me, but it's for us, and it's something that we have to figure out. And I say we because we communicated, we communicated on 
what I needed, what he needs, what we need together to have a successful, healthy relationship or a healthy sex life. And that's something that we both do for each other, where it's like, he'll buy me a sex toy. Where I had to tell him the other day, can you please stop buying me sex toys? Just, I, I would take a bracelet um, or some Twizzlers. Like I, I would really be okay with Twizzlers. I don't need two bags of sex toys when we travel. Um, yeah, we, we, it's not a game. Like it's very sexually, like just, we, we in here. It's all about communication when you are in a relationship or when you are dating or if you are just somebody who was like, I'm just going to talk to whoever I want to talk to and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. But it's also mm -hmm. communicating that with the person that you're with for that moment, that time. Or even just communicating with that self and be with yourself and being honest with yourself of what you need and accepting that. And I think as women, sometimes we don't. We are put into that box of we shouldn't like that because of based off of what everybody else thinks that we should. And it's thank you, <laughs> but it's <laughs> but it's really just like owning up to what you want and what you need and sticking with that. Absolutely. So, 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 so many important points. We've got a question coming through. I just put it up on the screen. Uh, Chris asks, I'm curious how U equals U has impacted the conversation around sex, either personally or around education and advocacy. So, yeah, as y'all in the field or just out here in this world, in these streets, what are your thoughts? Well, I think for anybody who's HIV positive when it comes to the sex conversation, that just period you equals you is kind of up there um uh and, and just having the conversation on what type of sex that we're having because we we know that because that shame and stigma we don't want to put everybody in the box of you hiv positive so you have to have protected um, unprotected sex you know and in and, and, and all types of ways and layers and blah 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 because of you know you equals you and so i think what is it, it means conversations, you know, you because you has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with us individually, really. And um, because that's a whole other conversation when we're looking at access, when we're looking at who's able to be undetectable, that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just about conversing with your partners or and with your, with your own, um, your physicians, you know, and, and and getting just the knowledge to know in what ways you can move in having sex and in what ways and options that you and your partner have for me. What about you? I agree. I, agree. I think um, so it's, it's different layers. It's a conversation with your doctor and then also the conversation and you actually come to grips with yourself. For me, it was my experience with you equals you in my relationship. It's been going to the doctor since young. They always told us, take your medication, you'll be fine. You cannot transmit. This is before the whole you equals you campaign was official and like CDC and everybody, you know, came out and was like, no, it's okay. It's, it's okay. So we was already told this as kids take your medication, do this, do that. Or for somebody like me who got on medication later in life and which added on to the stigma, which added on to my insecurities, which added on to <laughs> layers on top of layers on top of layers of like me feeling comfortable with sex. Um, and like I said before, my husband was already like, it's okay, we know condoms. We know when you do start taking medication, that's just the added security and it took for me, somebody who's positive, who's in the field, who teaches this, to then be like, I'm comfortable knowing that it's okay that I'm on medication and I can't transmit it. Because for so long, he was the one that was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. And he's like, you have to go through the, why are you so against, if you know the science, 
you know what would happen. Like, you know, like your CD4 count is, is this, and you know what your viral load is. And you, you are an avid advocate for this. Like, what is blocking you? And that's the therapy part where it was just like, I need to go to therapy because this is stopping my life where I can teach it, but I'm not living up to what the science is saying because I couldn't accept myself and what I have. So it, it took a lot of me with my self, self-acceptance to even accept it, even though I knew it. The doctor's been saying it for years, but it was just that added on layer for myself because I felt, I felt dirty and I felt like I wasn't worthy even and couldn't enjoy sex because of me not getting past me being HIV positive for years until I got into maybe my mid twenties. And that's like, it's like maybe less than 10 years ago, I just got comfortable with saying, Oh no, let's do this. Cause it was such a long time to even accept it. Cause of what was, what's been battered in our heads. And the things you see on TV, you watching your favorite TV show, and they're making HIV seem like you're going to die today or nobody should want to be with you. Or why is that person with you because you're HIV positive? And it's like, don't they know the risk? And for me, mm-hmm. that played in my head so much that why is this man with me? Why does this man want to have sex with me? So it was, it was playing, you know, tricks on me. And it took for me to think about like, no, you don't. Like, that's why. It's not about the HIV. He doesn't see that. And I think a lot of us, sometimes we harbor onto our status and then not think about, like, our own dopeness and how much we are as people are great and what we bring to the table. And we kind of forget about that and just revel on the fact that we are positive and we have this thing because of what media shows, as I said it, as what media shows us, that we should not want to have sex. We We should not be desirable. We should not be sexy because we have this thing that is people are scared of yeah because it's attached to sex and not only because it's attached to sex because when it was initially you know really spouted up it was attached to homosexuality that then was a taboo subject and had shame in it because of just everything else you know Mm -hmm. and so being that it, it was attached to that. So now all of a sudden it just had the, a natural taboo, you know, that was wrapped around even when it evolved into becoming beyond just the gay disease and becoming something that affected any and every people, then then it still had that, that taboo though. And so, and so even though we know that it's not mm-hmm. something that's attached just to sex, it still is attached to those taboos of sex. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Chris. There's some really good <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic. Getting your sexy on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yes, please, Susan. Yes, so many just rich points. And this, it seems like it's conversations like this and the opportunity for folks to just freely share their own experiences, you know, just just pushing through and working with and getting past that in that that externalized sort of shame that's put on um that's put on black women, that's put on women living with HIV from society and just really just just living and thriving and just really just getting our pleasure on through that. What would y'all want to see in terms of these conversations happening around our bodies and around what people what feels good, what folks like, you know, just where people are at, just on the spectrum of sexuality. What would it look like to have those conversations more? What would you want to see, like, and in communities, in organizations, so sort of online? What would you? What's your vision? Like, what would you want to see happen? Ooh, there's a lot. I mean, one people don't think that HIV positive people have sex, and those that do mm-hmm. are, are 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 really labeled with these extreme, you know, other things. You know, uh, that that's just all attached to stereotypical kind of um, a learned uh, attitudes that, that a lot of us, especially those that come from oppressed ethnicities, such as my fellow Black people, kind of um, reflect back on each other in a sense within our culture. And so um, I think really 
just breaking all of that down um, and breaking down how a lot of what we think is our belief is wrapped up within a white colonial patriarchal kind of stance and not really the ways in which we as individuals or as people or as, or as a culture really see things. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, you heard Yeah, that? definitely. Yeah, what are you thinking, Kim? Um, so I think for me, it's so many things. So, <laughs> and so for me, the first one would be, um, like Ryan said, HIV positive women. I want to see plus size women. I do not see enough sexy on plus size. Right. And I'm I'm in the Yeah, we all read and we all read and Bridget. Oh wow. So sex education, I have not been caught up on it. Um I haven't seen it since season two. And then season four just came out and now I got time to it. But I gotta get to it. Oh, that's right. Um, but for me, I think it'll be plus size women. I don't see plus size women um, or thick women. And not... Oh, wait. Hmm. Oh, I thought she said something. I didn't hear. The connection's getting like kind of fuzzy. So, uh. um, so yeah, plus size women talking about like being um, sexy, having sex, um, showing their body in a positive way. Um, I would love if somebody did a sex conversation on like perinatally infected youth, which who are open. Um, I'm like the biggest person that's like people who are born with it, people who are born with it. But I think that would be an interesting topic just to see like sex with them, not with them, but you know, like their views, <laughs> their views on sex and what like, what's the transition of like being born with it and their thoughts of sex at that age getting as they got as they grew older because a lot of us are in our 30s or late 30s or late 20s so just their view on that um and black women and just like how they portray us in the media anyway is either we're bossy or we're submissive because we just don't have enough know-it-all to even say this is what we want and if we're bossy we're coming off too bossy versus saying that we're um what's the word i'm looking for not aggressive but assertive so they don't really show that much of females that are assertive or black women that are assertive they paint us out to be like more of the aggressor which is cool because i'm an aggressive person but also <laughs> you know there's different layers to different people and what that looks like and i think you know showing that even sex workers and not discriminate discriminating against them for the job that they're doing and i think for that even just to show that what that looks like more and like even there's some people who i know who was like yeah that is my job but in my everyday life this is not how what i perceive sex to be and i think having more conversations around that is a it's a game changer mm -hmm. and ultimately i think having my hiv status be as non-consequential as my eye color you know, and just knowing, okay, well, this is the options that we have, you know, with me being mm -hmm. very positive and then me either being undetectable or not and just moving that way, you know, smoothly without any hiccups or having to do any deep thinking or, or education or because the education has been out there and that, you know, people just know and the stigmas are on and the barriers are on. That's ultimately where I would love, 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 love for us to get to. When, we, when, when HIV isn't doesn't really come up when we talk about sex because it's came up when we gotten to know each other and it doesn't have to come up anymore after. And you can openly talk about your kinks without somebody having to judge you mm. based off of what you like. And it's like, so it's okay if you suck on my nipples or I suck on your balls or I do this or i do that and you like that but when i say oh this is what i want i'm getting leery eyed from everybody like females i think more so for females i don't really hear a lot of people talking openly about not even just like 
having sex, but more so like yeast infections. Yeah. And a lot of people don't see that that's a normal thing. Well, bacteria vaginosis and how even certain sexual positions, you know, can lead to that, you know? Like, it's not something that we talk about. It's something that is like, oh, you're dirty because you might have had that or you might have experienced that. And it's like most people experience it not even just based off of sex, but what you eat, the clothes you wear. And that's mm-hmm. something that goes into you. shave teeth and go down the aisle and grab it and go to the cash register. Or picking up mm-hmm. pads or tampons or anything like that because you like, I don't want, and that goes with condoms too. People won't pick those up because it's like, what are they thinking about me? And I'm like, that you're human. That I'm human. So I really wish that we would, the same way we would talk about a ear, a nose, a lip, we can say vagina, we can say vulva, we can say penis, we can say testicles, because those, like you said, HIV doesn't have that same discrimination, the same power as just having a regular conversation, and neither does our body parts. Our body parts are something that people do not want to actually have a conversation about because of what that makes you look out to be. Mm-hmm. Why we gotta have an extra private part? Why why our breasts have to be classified in a different way than chest? You know when they both kind of serve the same purpose, you know, and they both are in the same area of the body, the human body. So why 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 do we have restrictions then where you know um, uh, other other people don't have those restrictions? That's, mm-hmm. And I think Maria was talking about earlier um, about schools, you know, that you can't even bring up the word condom in schools. And it's like, so how are we going to teach our kids? Because I know I was having sex while I was in school. So I'm not going to even know, even learn the term condom, much less even learn what safe sex looks like at a very young age. Like, yeah, we, the language justice is, is real. Yeah, it also depends on what school district, what school you go to, um, and the age. So, like, high school, they're more acceptable with saying condoms or saying the different, like, or my loophole is what it's are the different I didn't know it's too late for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it really depends. Like, and I know this is just New York, but when you go outside of New York, the restrictions are crazy in the southern states where they, they're we think we have it bad here. It's it's horrible out there as well. Yeah, I know Ryan knows that. So there have been we've got a we've got a queue of questions coming up okay, both before the session and also during the session. A couple of folks have asked about sex and aging and HIV. Um, what you've come across in the field, how folks' sex lives are affected by taking meds, um, just sexuality and aging. Um, I think also there was a question that came up before the session about diminished desire that can happen sometimes at, all, at any age and particularly and also around aging, menopause. Um, please share what you what you may know from the field what you may well, have heard from other and old, so i'm not really that that first on the subject no y'all i'm 42 but still <laughs> still that's <laughs> i don't want to comment on aging because i don't think i'm there yet but you know i don't know i think I um i guess i'll speak on my experience um so we already know, yeah, so we already know that like, for, well, not everybody we already know. Um, so for females, as you get older, yes, your estrogen can um, diminish, but it is more shown that more female sex drives go up after 50 than it would um, for most people. It goes up after like 45, 50 for most women than it does for men. Our, as, our, as we get older, our sex drive goes up and then for men, it goes down. Um, but again, that varies between menopause, that um, varies between um, like the medication that we're on. It, it really varies on the person's, like their health of what's happening in their own body. Um, I can speak for myself. I was on the first set of medication that I was on. My sex drive was gone. It was non-existent. It was 
don't touch me. I don't want to, I don't even know why you're looking at me. And then I didn't even know you were too young for personal experience. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think for me, it's a, in a different aspect of, <laughs> for me, it's like aging as I got older. I'll look, I've taken it as somebody who has got older with my HIV and just like the counterparts of like the medication. So for me, my birth control was something that played a part. I had to get on the right regimen because my birth control, again, may, I'm very sensitive to medicine. So my birth control played a part where my sex drive was gone. Um, my HIV medication made me not want to, I didn't even like people. It just, it just, it wasn't a good, wasn't a good regimen. Um, so sex drive was gone. My people skills was gone. Everything was gone. Uh, mental health was, yeah. that was, that was gone. Um, but I think it, it's a lot of, I have, what I do have is, um, and I could put it, I can give it to Krista and Olivia, um, about like different things on TikTok, that, not TikTok, on Instagram of different bloggers. There's like sex with Emily. She's in her forties. Uh-huh. I've seen a couple of those videos. Love her. Sex with Emily. She's a black blogger. I think she's like maybe third in her mid thirties, but she talks about sex and aging. She talks about sexual pleasure. Um, based on Atlanta, I don't know her, so this is not an endorsement, but you know, I love seeing her stuff. Um, and then there's sex with Emily. Sex with Emily. She's a, a younger white woman. So you have like both demographics of like, um, a white woman and a black woman and they're being open about sex and what that looks like, not just for um, younger people, but then also like different components of your body. So I really think that like talking to your doctor once you hit menopause and actually talking about the different things that have happened before, talking about your sexual history, not of who you had sex with, but how, what has happened during your sexual life. Um, and then seeing like, what does these estrogen levels look like? What does the counterparts of these, med the side effects of these medications that you're taking? Because as we're getting older, we're taking more medication for different things that sometimes don't even have nothing to do with our HIV. Yeah. So what are those interactions with our sex drive and if there is any? So, mm -hmm. and, and I do want to highlight that there's little to no research when it comes to trans people and mm -hmm. aging. And especially when you think about aging with HIV, or if you put on the layers of, of like um, post-gender affirmation surgery and all of those layers, then what does the sex, you know, and, and how, you know, and what, and who knows, basically, <laughs> is where we're at um, and where I'm at, because um, there's no literature, there's no guidance, there's nothing besides how I feel in my day-to-day -day experience. And so um, I do want to just put out there, we need more research and we, we, we need more data on people like us, um, you know, on women across a lot of different intersectionalities because we've been left out um, when it mm -hmm. comes to a lot of the life-saving research, you know, or just knowing of how our bodies are going to work sexually at certain ages. Same, same. The people who are perinatally infected as well. They had a study a long time ago and then that study got discontinued. Mm -hmm. And they're just now really having this conversation where I'm hearing people talking about us. And I call us like the forgotten because people kind of forget like we still exist. And it's like, we're still here. Hey, we're having kids. Like, you know, Getting older and older. Getting know. older. And I don't know what's going to happen to my body because it's been almost 35 years with HIV inside me. So it's like, what are the long-term effects? But a lot of us are not living long enough past a certain age to even say, like, what are the long-term effects? Because we're growing with our HIV. So it's, they're, they're dropping the ball on a lot of us. And it's, it's, it's insane. And unless we all like are coming together, like stop focusing on one demographic one at a time because you're losing the other demographic. Um, and they have this thing where, and I say they because it's the larger universe where it's they talk about one demographic for five years and then they jump to the next demographic. 
Yeah. And they jump to the next one, but never really finish. So you got your hands in so many pots. And it's like this one is overflowing and this one is left. And then nobody knows about this one. And we never really get back to it until it's hot again. It's like a trend versus let's all talk about this collectively and have these committees to actually put money into the things that we need to find out. But the only people that really care about it is the ones that's affected or infected by it. Well, not even really. Because the ones really affected, they still don't care about those either. This has been amazing. I'm seeing that we're not quite at our hour. We have a couple of minutes. We definitely do. And there have been a couple of questions I want to make sure that we touch on. Unfortunate but true in the state of external, sometimes legal stigma, legally entrenched stigma. Um, there's the question of HIV criminalization. And um, Bridget had asked, HIV is a scary thing for some people. What would you say to someone who's fearful? around that potential retaliation oh. and sex. Ooh. Now, fear around that. If you're living someplace, if you can move, girl, move move to where it ain't criminalized. But mm-hmm. we know not everyone has that access. But I, I, I think now is the real opportune time to have this criminalization conversation. Because imagine if we put COVID-19 on the same level as HIV when we talk about criminalization, right? What it's gonna reflect is gonna is gonna affect the same populace that voted for the HIV criminalization. And if mm-hmm. we if we link those two things together, because when you look at it, it's not there's no difference really to it, except for COVID is more likely to kill you than the HIV is, you know, at this point mm-hmm. in time. And so um but for if we use those speaking points in these um, municipalities that actually have these laws, you know, and see that, okay, if we're going to do this, then why are we not doing it for that to really show that it is targeted, it's a targeted type of um, policy and has nothing to do with HIV, but has to do with the, with the, uh, the ethnicities and the gender of the people with HIV that you're trying to put into this kind of category. So mm-hmm. um, you use use that information as ammo, but um, and then also look look to different. I'm sure there may be a branch or a chapter of some um, policy or advocacy um, organizations such as the Well Project or Positive Women's Network and and see what type of support that they have or how you can individually get involved in some of the um, kind of advocacy that's happening on the ground in those places. Um, I also think, so one, I know somebody said in the chat, of like living in fear is a thing. And again, it goes state by state. I'm fortunate enough to live in New York where there is no HIV criminalization law, where it's, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm lucky enough to even be here. Um, but it's to know your rights and like how we have to know our rights when we're driving, know our rights when a police officer is about to pick us up. And knowing all of that is the same when it comes to HIV in your state. And every state has different laws, HIV, um, especially in a Southern state, it's not, it's horrible. But knowing what the um, the facts are, knowing what the laws are out there. And one of my good friends, um, Tiffany, she wrote something for the body and it was a HIV contract and something that we, and it's crazy because she did it and she posted it and it was something that um, me and a couple of my friends did this years ago where it was kind of like an agreement where I'm writing this down saying, and it might not work for everybody in every state, but it's something that could work. Me and I would say on this day, I told you that I was HIV positive. You agree that you know that I'm HIV positive. This is something that is a conversation between us. Wrote that down. You sign, we date, and it's a layer of protection. And that's something that There's we... a link right there. Oh, uh, look at... Just look at the contract. Come look through with the links. So, you know, she... Um, 
like so she was somebody that you know I, I would say told that secret but it was something that like we did when we was younger and i didn't even know her when she said mm -hmm. that and it was like we was doing that as as like when we were dating not me and her but like me and my, like my other friends and it's like okay so we wasn't the only ones that came up with this okay great so it's publicized this is something that we could be doing and i think it's a layer of protection it doesn't solve the problem but it's something that is like you can never say i never told you and you yeah. can't never say that you didn't know what the risk was and this is something that you know helps protect you maybe not in every state but in certain states and again look at your laws look it up see what that looks like talk to people go, join different groups and see what the HIV um, criminalization, I can't get that word out. HIV criminalization laws are in your state. That's really important. Oh, yeah, that's a good, or use like your notes app and do it and like, okay, oh, wait, let's have a conversation so I can educate you on HIV. Let's record it. Here I am telling you all the facts. Bam, bam, I'm protected. Mm -hmm. And you get to suss out people too with that information too. Like I did that with my husband, not knowing, and we, again, we were dating since we were 16. And I was asking him questions on HIV because one person I told that was dead, that was, as soon as I told him, he was gone. So the next, when I got with my husband, I, I asked him like, what do you know about HIV? What do you know about different STIs? And it, it my cover story was the fact that I was a health educator. So it didn't come off crazy that I was asking these questions because I was, you know, just starting off in the field. And I think for a lot of us, because we work or do work in the field, it's a good way to suss out different people yeah. just to say like, what's your comfortability? And in the moment, you know, you get a red flag, don't treat it like a circus. Like, oh, I just saw this, I thought it was a circus going on. I saw it wasn't red flags. No, that could be a potential red flag, one girl. Cause it'll teach you where, how conservative they are and what type of shame they're going to project on you if you've really pushed through with this with mm -hmm. this relationship with this person. Yeah. yeah, indeed. We are now at the hour. This has been an amazing conversation. I want to invite each of y'all to just give like one word as an outro, just sort of like one word that you want folks to take away from this conversation and just in terms of their just sort of going out into the world sexually confident and just like knowing who they are and getting the resources they need. And speaking of which, I think both of you mentioned that you had resources to potentially share. If you want to share those out, we can find a way to sort of get them out to folks in the comments or afterwards. But yeah, one word as we as we close out, this has been amazing. Only word I can that comes to my mind is pride. Just pride. You have to have pride in yourself because nobody else is going to have enough pride for you to really love yourself. It can only come from you. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it would be self-acceptance. I had to be extra and get a two-part word. But <laughs> um, self-acceptance, I think the moment that you start accepting who you are for yourself, no matter what that is, whether that's your status, your sexuality, you as a person, then that makes you more open to what anything can happen because you know what you what you need for yourself and what you want and you're okay with that yeah thank y'all for joining and watching Thank you all so much for joining us for this ninth episode of A Girl Like Me Live. Again, in two weeks, we'll come back together on October 6th. For the 10th episode, we'll be talking to Maria Mejia and Ariana Lint for Latinx AIDS Awareness Day. So please be sure to come on through. Everybody same come that time, same that channel. on her baby. Yes! And congratulate Miss Cece on baby Zuri's arrival today on the 22nd of September, a day with HIV, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> the greatest gift you that day. <laughs> Indeed. Thank y'all so much for your brilliance. Thank you so much for being here. All of our listeners, viewers, commenters. This was just a brilliant conversation. And Cece sending all the love out to you as well. All right. With that, we're going to close. Bye bye now. Bye bye.